Hello. Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. We're going to be in Luke chapter 18, the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Well, good morning. Great to see you all. You're very kind. Great to be here. Hey, anybody uh, catch the thunder and lightning this morning? So here's the question. Did you go back to sleep? Or did you just, you're just up? How many went back to sleep? How many said, I'm up? Okay. Most went back to sleep. <laughs> it was, it, it was, for us, it was 4.45, you know, and so I couldn't go back to sleep, but I kind of wish I could have, you know, but it, it, how cool is it? I mean, just, just suddenly, just, I don't know where you were, but just a deluge of rain. It was uh, kind of a, a East Coast or Midwest moment, you know, where we had that Southern California downpour. Well, it's wonderful to be with you guys. Um, I, I, uh, so grateful for this church and who you are and what God's doing in your life. And I'm eager to jump into this new series, Lean In. If you're joining us for the first time, this is all about the parables. Uh, what you're going to discover in all of these parables, it's classic Jesus. Don't you wish you could sit at Jesus' feet? And, and you're looking at me and saying, all we get is Mark, you know, but... Uh, but this is the way Jesus taught. It's, it's classic Jesus style. So we actually get through the parables, this wonderful um, opportunity. And I so have appreciated Ryan leading us off in the last two messages, particularly last week, the soil, the soil parable, which most of us know as the classic uh, parable of all parables. And I want to just key off of that into this morning and remind you that the parable of the soil is all about the soil. We used to call it the parable of the sower. Like, in, we know nothing about the sower. It's, it's about the soil. And there's four soils. One is hard soil, like, eh, I hate God, I hate Christians, I hate the Bible, and I want nothing to do with it, Right? And then there's the rocky soil, like, woohoo, Jesus, but not for long. And then there's the soil with weeds, and that's the one that we usually have to deal with, weeding our garden, the muchness and manyness of life that just wants to choke, choke out 
the wheat. And then there's the soil we all think we are when we read it. I say, oh, that's me. (laughs) The good soil brings all kinds of fruit, transform people, transforming our world, you know. But we forget that the parable is really about warning his hearers to be gardeners of our hearts, to be careful about the soil of your hearts. You know, when we come to a church or any event where there's a presenter, we come and we sit there and we say, I hope it's good, you know. And then we drive home and say, well, what'd you think? Well, it wasn't so good, you know. Um, Because for us, it's not about the soil, it's about the guy. Is he gonna be good or not? But in the Bible, it's all about the hearer. So I know when you come here, you say, I pray that Mark will be better than he was last time. (laughs) But what I pray is I pray that you'll be better than you were last time. I pray for your heart, your soil. Uh, We live in a land where uh, very few people are hungry and thirsty for God. We're just so filled with so much stuff. So I'm praying constantly for North Coastal County to be hungry and thirsty, more hunger, more thirst to want God. And uh, so I'm thankful that that's you. And if that's not you, just do some weeding right now. And uh, get your heart ready. Because we don't want to be the people that... uh, There's a motto that I've adopted. It goes like this. Christianity is, in America, is Jesus and me, but mostly me. Right? And we want it to be Jesus and me, and mostly Jesus. Right? So, Father, come and speak to us this morning from your holy word, give us ears to hear your word in Jesus' name, amen. So here's the setting. You're following Jesus, you think, this is great, I'm forgiven, I'm going to heaven, I'm meeting friends, they say they like me, Uh, everything's coming up roses, and then you you hit a trough, you hit a hard time, a difficult period. Uh, whatever it might be, an unanswered prayer, um, friends aren't friends anymore. Maybe you're falling into temptation. You, you can't break away from this bad habit. Whatever it happens to be. And the question is, where is Jesus now? And Jesus would say to you today, don't quit. Keep talking to Jesus, even in the bad times. So here it is, verse 1, chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There we are. You already heard the meaning of the parable. Don't you love it when the pastor gives in one sentence what he's going to say right at the beginning so he doesn't take 35 minutes to get to where he's trying to get to? Luke gives us the commentary on Jesus' parable right in the, out the gate so that we'll know what to look for as we go into this parable, that we should always pray and not give up. So this word, not give up, means literally don't 
quit. It has embedded in it the idea of the, the, the word is kakas, which means bad. And it means a bad quitting, meaning you stopped for a bad reason. There are things that we should stop doing, bad habits, but there's other times we, sh- we stop and it's for a bad reason. We should never have stopped. And that's what this word is. Be translated, don't quit or don't despair. You need to keep going. Paul uses this term several times in his epistles. Twice he says, don't be weary in doing good for other people. Have you ever become weary doing nice things for people? Like me, you say, well, that's the last time I'm being nice to them. I mean, because you're nice and they just say nothing. They expect it. They're entitled. And you just want to say, take nabbit. I'm done being nice. But Paul says, don't quit. And Jesus here is saying, don't quit when it comes to prayer. And having visited multiple times our partners in restricted or persecuted countries where the church is persecuted. This teaching is so powerful. They know that they feel like quitting. ISIS has come and taken our city of Mosul. Mosul was a Christian town. And ISIS completely obliterated it. Worse than Berlin in World War II. And meeting with... And the word is don't quit, don't stop praying, don't flee Iraq and run to the United States, stay in the game, keep praying. And that word is for us as well. So why would Jesus teach this to his disciples so early in his ministry? They haven't even learned how to pray and he's always already telling them don't stop praying. Jesus is still with them. They're not praying to Jesus. They're not seeking. But Jesus is already warning them because he knows there are patches of darkness ahead. Tough, tough times. We couldn't have predicted COVID. We couldn't have predicted the the crazy time we find ourselves in right now in America. We couldn't have predicted what's going on in your own personal life, the, the financial issues that we've all had to deal with, with, and then the relationship issues that we've had to do. We couldn't have predicted that. But there's the temptation when you don't get your prayer answered, quit. When he answers it, but not the way you wanted it to answer, the answer was no, not yes. Or you're tempted and, and you fall into sin, and now you feel ashamed. You can't talk to God anymore. Or the list just goes on and on and on. It feels like quitting. I've felt that way at times. Have you ever felt that way? Am I confessing too much? And when we feel like quitting, we feel like not praying. It's like, whatever, I'm talking to the ceiling. Hello! And so we just stop. And Jesus is saying, don't quit. Don't quit. 
Keep talking, keep talking. In your sin, keep talking to Jesus. In your frustration, in your despair, keep talking to Jesus. With marriages, couples that stop talking because of bitterness, resentment, it's, it's not a good thing. Much better keep talking, keep talking, work it through. Get a third party. Work it. You got to keep talking. And same is true with Jesus. Because what, by praying, I'm actually believing in Jesus. Have you ever wondered how you know whether you believe or not? If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Good news. Have you ever wondered, introspected, do I really believe? How do I know I believe? I, I prayed the prayer, but do I really believe? Well, John says there's fruit that begins to come out of my life where I begin to love other people. And, and I say, whoa, that's scary. I'm, I'm not a loving person. Where did that come from? Ah, it's a sign that God's in you. But another sign that's in you is you start talking to Jesus. It's one of the benefits of being a Christian because it's, it's directly related to the fact that you and I believe because it, it, it's an expression of dependency. You depend on God. Now, here's another problem that we Christians get into. Sometimes we're too smart for our own good and we do this little theological thing uh, that goes something like this. Well, if God's God... And if God's sovereign and God predestinates things and God's going to do what he, God's going to do, then the only reason I pray is, is for my own therapy. You know, it, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to do anything because God's going to do what, he, what he's going to do. And we, we think, oh, aren't you so smarty pants? You've, <laughs> you've figured out theologically something about God, but what you didn't think about is that God has sovereignly chosen you to pray. It's in his plan that you and I would pray and that through our prayers, we would see things change. That each one of us are positioned in our society strategically by God. You know people I don't know and I know people you don't know and we have influence that's different and God is strategically placed and here it is, you will influence more people's lives through your prayers than any of your words and any of your actions. Did you know? Actions are good, words are good, but prayer is where it all starts because when we pray, we actually take our rightful position as the image of God. Genesis 1.26, let us make man in our image and let him rule, male and female, he created, let them rule over the, over the earth. And so spiritually speaking, when I begin to pray, I as Prince Mark, I as Prince Mark, take my rightful place and I say, God, this is what's needed. Touch this person, touch this person. And the people in my life are different than the people in your life. And so daily I need to say my prayers for the people that I'm influencing 
praying that God would touch their lives. A story I didn't share in the first service, uh, and some of you have heard this story before, so bear with me, I'm an old man. So uh, when I was a kid, my, my dad would take us camping for two weeks every summer. It was the best two weeks of my life because my dad turned in from a, a hardworking engineer into a fun-loving dad. It was, a, it was great. So he takes us up to Banff, Canada, and we're up there, and it's absolutely gorgeous, and it's absolutely raining, cats and dogs, for two weeks. And it was an old tent, this old army tent that we were in, you know, just real canvas. And uh, we would go into the tent, and my dad, at the first day and second day, he would very kindly say, please don't touch the tent, because when you touch the inside of the canvas, it allows rain to be drawn through, and it begins to drip into the, the tent. And, um, and he was very calm about it the first two days. But, you know, we were seven, nine, and 11, and uh, by the end of the first week, my dad was a madman. <laughs> and he would see us, because we would be changing in the tent, and our backs would brush up against the tent as kids, and he would just go berserk. He'd just, don't touch that tent! How many times? Have, you know. So that became a picture for me only in a positive way of what happens when we pray. We touch the, the tent of God. What he wants to do, this wonderful loving God, what he wants to do happens on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that a beautiful picture of just saying, God, would you do this and let the reign of God come into our world? Um, and if you don't know how to pray, real easy. Jesus gave us a prayer. Now, you can say, well, yeah, but that's just the son of God's prayer. Who, you know, that's just, uh, it seems like it'd be a good prayer to me. Well, it's just called the Lord's Prayer. Hello? The Lord gave it to you? The Lord? Well, in my tradition, it's the Our Father. Hello, the Our Father? Go with that one. And, and just use that one for 30 years as an outline. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, our wonderful, good, hallowed be thy name. You know, you're wonderful, you're amazing. You just use it as an outline and then just go off about how wonderful he is and then go to bring your will, your good ideas, your heart, bring it to earth in, in my marriage, in my kids, in, at my work, and, and by the way, we have some needs in all of those areas. He's sick. He needs a job. I, I, I'm touching the inside of your canvas, asking you to provide, give us today our daily bread. And by the way, we're idiots. We sin. And, and so forgive us our sin. I don't even want to think about how many sins need to be forgiven. And keep us from the trap of the enemy temptations, and anybody that's already trapped, set them free, amen. Now, what did that just take me? Was that a two-minute prayer or a three-minute prayer? Oh, but who's got that kind of time? (laughs) 
Just a very basic, easy prayer. And you begin, day by day, begin to see the answers to begin piling up. So impressed when C.S. Lewis, an atheist, became a Christian, and the first thing he did was starting to quote, say my prayers every day. And he decided there were certain people in his life that he needed to pray for every day. It was his job, his responsibility to say his prayers and to not stop. So that's what Jesus is getting at here. Don't stop, keep at it. So now I wanna quickly, now that we understand what Jesus is teaching, I wanna quickly go through the parable so you catch the fun of it. And watching Jesus teach this parable, I'm guaranteeing it's, it's, gonna, it's gonna be more fun than watching Tatis last night steal home plate on a pop fly ball foul. And some of you are saying, who's Tatis and what, what is he? What's a foul ball? And it's just a secret spot for some people to know about. <laughs> so here's the parable. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought, right? This is a bad dude. And there was a widow in the town and that kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. But notice it, she kept coming. So you gotta play that in your mind, grant me justice against my, just keep playing that in your mind. For some time he refused go away, I don't want you, whatever. I don't care about you or God. But finally he said to himself, so all right already, even though I don't fear God and I don't care about you or anybody else, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, meaning I just care about myself, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. So here's the problem. Many people read this and say, oh, I hate this parable. It paints the picture of God as being this ogre that's like this bad judge and I'm praying to this bad judge and he won't give me and I've got to become this pestering widow just wringing God's neck and, you know, that's not what it's teaching at all, illiterate. <laughs> this is a hyperbole. A hyperbole is a gross exaggeration to make a point. And this is a gross exaggeration. Jesus was the master at it. He said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right eye offends you, gouge it out. Now think of it. Are we supposed to take that literally? Like, they will know we are Christians by our one eye, one hand. They will know we are Christians by our one eye, one hand. No. It's, it's a hyperbole, right? Or the, the hyperbole. It's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And I've heard teachers say, now there really was a gate in Jerusalem called the camel's gate and the camels had to get down on their knees and crawl on their knees through the gate to get into it. I just think, go away. There wasn't, there, there may have been a camel's gate, but the camels walked through. They didn't, 
They actually had needles in those days. And Jesus is painting the picture of something that sounds impossible. And he ends by saying, it is impossible for man to save himself. But with God, all things are possible. So he was the master at it. And this is one of the best hyperboles. So you've seen this picture. Don't show the the ugly guy yet. Uh, Guy that's operating this or gal. Uh, Yeah. So this is what we're to picture. This is how it looked. So there's the judge sitting on the judge's seat. And the widow is coming to him. And he is bored to death. He is not going to give her what she wants. And she, next picture, she comes in even closer and he's listening to her. But we know, Jesus has already told me, he's not going to give her nothing. But it's a hyperbole. So look at the next picture. This is going to tell you what Jesus is saying. It's a cartoon. He's painting a picture that the most absurd, obnoxious, evil person, even he will give someone what they want if persistence is there. But that is not God. So Jesus paints this drastic picture. Now leave that up for a moment. Now imagine the widow Here's the rest of the parable. The widow in ancient times was the most vulnerable person in society, a widow and an orphan, because they had no one to speak for them. In a man's world, they had no one to speak for them. They had no one to earn income for them. They were helpless in the structure of society. And so Jesus purposely gives us the most ornery, powerful, evil person and the weakest person to give us a hyperbole, a gross exaggeration. And this woman presses through. I heard a a mother, it was like three weeks ago, her kids, she was trying to talk to this other mom and her kids kept pulling on her dress or pants and, and saying, Mommy, Mommy, they were just jabbering away. And she's trying to talk and talk and talk. And finally, she said, what? <laughs> now, we all scored her really bad at that moment. <laughs> but you know what she did after the outburst? She gave the kids what they were asking for. And the kids scored. It worked. Got to work hard on her, but it eventually worked. Jesus could have told that parable. But he ends it by saying, God is not that way, okay? So those of us that assumed, oh, this is horrible, no, God is not that way. So uh, let's look at the next verse, verse six. And listen to what the unjust judge says. So the just unjust judge says, so what? Leave me alone. Get out of here. Whatever you want. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? So you're not a widow. You're a chosen one. We who cry out to him day and night, who persist in prayer, 
And will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice. Look at the word, quickly. As quick as God can. That's the God you serve. The good God, the perfect God, the God who loves you, the God who's chosen you. That's the God that you're coming. He's not the unjust judge. Now look at the rest of the pictures of the Middle Eastern judge. So here he's telling her, would you just get out of my sight? I don't want to see you again. No, I'm not getting, giving you anything. And then now he's running from her. <laughs> just leave me alone. And now look at him. <laughs> and now look at her. <laughs> so God is not that way. But the message is, don't quit. Why did you quit? Keep praying. God's coming. In Daniel 9.23... There's this story of Daniel discovering. He reads the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah predicts that Israel will be in captivity in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, for 70 years. And then they're going to come back into the land. And he reads this, and he says, yikes! We're getting close and so he starts praying, and he keeps praying, and he keeps praying, and finally the angel Gabriel shows up. And listen to this. He tells Daniel, I, I launched out coming the moment you began to pray. The moment you began to pray, I went forth, but he says I was detained by the enemy. And there was this spiritual battle I was fighting through till I could finally come and give you the answer. I don't know why your prayer didn't get answered yesterday. Or I don't know why it got answered the way you didn't think it should have been answered. You know, there is a God and it is not me. But it's no reason to stop praying. Keep praying, keep praying. Don't saw off the limb that you're sitting on because you're getting frustrated with God. I'll show him. <laughs> Doesn't answer my prayer. I'll just cut off this limb. Why would you hurt yourself by stopping to pray? So Jesus ends the parable with a little punchline at the end. He says, however, in verse eight at the end, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What? I thought we were talking about prayer. Now we're talking about faith. Aha, Jesus has you. If you are praying, you believe. If you are praying, it's not pray and then claim it and I got it and, and you just got to keep claiming it and not praying. No, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. When we keep praying, Jesus says, I find faith in you when I come. So instead of God being on the witness stand where we're indicting God saying, why didn't you answer my prayer and when did you come when I wanted you to come and you weren't there when I went? Instead, he flipped the whole thing and we're on the witness stand. And he says, will I find faith in you 
when I come. Whether you're in Iraq with ISIS destroying your town or whether you're a frustrated Californian, don't stop. Persist in prayer. Because when you pray, you are scanning the goodness of God. You are scanning his power and his greatness and his beauty and what he wants for your life and those around you. Thy kingdom come, but God is scanning your heart, your faith. And when we pray, we exhibit our faith to him. And in case you're wondering about faith, it's often not what you think it is. I won't give you all the details. It's for you, homework. Go home and read the rest of Luke 18. He tells us, faith is not what you think. It's not getting all uppity and religious. It's not, well, I'm, I'm a big, hot pastor who carries a big Bible, or I usher in three services, not just one, not two, but I usher in all three. That, he says, there's nothing showy about faith. And then he says, it's, it's very humble. It's kind of like child. You know how children are just, Mommy, can I do this? Mommy, that, that faith is just like that. And then he closes by saying, and by the way, it only takes a mustard seed. You don't have to have a lot, just a mustard seed. Years ago, I was uh, frustrated because I was smelling gas in our house. You ever smell that smell? No bueno, Right? gas leak. So I call the gas company and they send out a guy and um, do you know how they suss out whether you have gas leak or not? They, they squirt. They have this little bottle of detergent and they squirt that on the pipe just, and if it begins to bubble up, it shows that there's a gas leak. And so he goes outside and I said, uh, by the way, I, I'm smelling it up in our bedroom. We have this little heatilator thing there, and I'm smelling. Just a, just a moment, Mr. Idiot. I'm the gas man. <laughs> so he sprays it outside on, uh, where the gas comes into the house, and there's no bubbles. And then he goes into the garage. And I said, no, I'm actually smelling it up in my bedroom. And he says, did I tell you, Mr. Idiot, that I know what I'm doing? And so... Uh, he sprays it on the pipes around our uh, hot water tank. Then he goes to the dryer. And I'm just thinking, what is going on, you know? He goes finally up to our room, takes the front off, the glass off of the heatilator, and now he's spraying it in all places. And he says, no leak, Mr. Foreman. And I, what do I say? Uh, you're right, I have this nose that just is attracted to gas and makes it up in my own mind. I said, could you spray a little bit over here and just, and he sighs, like, <sighs> sprays it over there, there's none. And finally I said, well, what about back here? And he sprays it there and bubbles. And I thought to myself, aren't I glad I persisted? That, that I didn't just give up. Guys, I don't know why you, you need to keep going. 
But just don't quit. Keep going, keep going, keep going. He's a good God. He's all powerful. He's here and he loves you. What's your problem? Keep going. Keep going. So we're talking about talking to Jesus. <laughs> Have you thought of that? I mean, prayer is talking to God. If you were at a party and someone says, hey, I did, you, I've never told you this, but uh, I have uh, Bono, uh, his cell phone, and I call him every now and then. I say, you have Bono's cell phone? And what do you talk about? Well, you know, when a show's coming up at Staples Center, you know, I call him to ask for a particular song when it's on, uh, see, it would be on the set list. Wow, you have my attention. So how often do you call Bono? Well, not so much anymore because the last two times at Staples Center, he didn't play the song that I requested. Or you have the number for the head of the World Bank and your best friends. And you can talk to him about interest rates. You can talk to him about who's getting loans in what country. And do you, t- no, because he doesn't always do what I want. The World Bank? Or I have this genie in this little lamp and every time I rub it, this, this big guy comes out and he gives me three wishes every time. How often do you use it? Well, not much. You know, they just don't always give me what I want, you know, and it's just... And then the fourth person at the party says, well, I have the personal number of God. I'm listening. We're talking about G-O-D, God, maker of heaven. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how's that going? Well, I don't talk to him much. You know, does he not? Well, no, he's there, but he he just doesn't do things the way I want or when I want. And wow. So you just don't talk. Folks, if we think about it, we have the personal number of God, God, God. And Jesus says, don't stop praying. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness. Thank you that you answer quickly, that you're not like this unjust judge, that you hear us. And you're just simply asking us to not stop. Lord, we begin to show us the things that we in our sphere of influence can and should be praying for. That your kingdom would come to earth as it is in heaven. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.